Hello, my fellow sovereigns, and welcome back to another episode of the Crown Yourself podcast. So this guest, you may have heard her on our debut release of the Communication Queens podcast, but you only got a snippet, a bite-sized morsel of the magnitude of Sarah Sharkey Harkness. And it is my honor to bring her now in her full glory to the Crown Yourself podcast because this episode, there is a vibe. And I say that sparingly. Like, I have vibe with all of the guests that we have on. But there was some magic going down with Sarah in how she thinks about life given that she was literally brought back from the dead. She is a CEO, a mom, a woman in tech, and a survivor. Sarah has been helping businesses and executives around the world reach their full potential for many years. Serving in the SaaS and cloud computing industry, Sarah has worked for the world's Fortune 500 companies, pre-IPO such as Salesforce, Marketo, and GitLab, and taken their solutions to new markets. Following her first decade in tech, she co-founded Cattle Dog Digital despite facing significant adversity in her life after a life-threatening condition diagnosed in the last four years, surviving 26 surgeries and nearly dying, Sarah has emerged thriving and is a shining example of resilience, strength, determined to make a positive impact on the world. She now shares her story with millions of people and is the author of the upcoming book, Guided by Giants, a survival guide to thriving and overcoming adversity, available on Amazon in September. Sarah and I met at Peter Diamandis's A360 Mastermind. And it was soon as I heard her Aussie accent that I was like, we got to be friends. I got to know who you are. And she is phenomenally passionate. She shows up so proudly in the alignment of AI and tech possibilities and in the exponential possibilities that come with abundance theory. And if you've been a little bit afraid of AI or have questioned, you know, the transformation that it's revolutionizing on every industry. Sarah is a phenomenal guide to show that while there are things to be aware of, there is always and always will be, no matter if you're on death's door, infinite possibility at your fingertips for greater abundance. It is my honor to bring the full interview with Sarah Sharkey Harkness on the Crown Yourself podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to the Crown Yourself podcast, where together we build your empire and transform your subconscious stories about what's possible for your business, body, and life. I'm your host, Kimberly Spencer, founder of crownyourself.com, and I'm a master mindset coach, best-selling author, TEDx speaker, known to my clients as a game changer. Each week, you get the conscious leadership strategies you need to help you reign with courage, clarity, and confidence so that you too can make the income and impact you deserve. Imagine this podcast as your royal invitation to step into your full potential and reign in your divine purpose. Your sovereignty starts here and your reign is now. So you've been the CEO of a multi-million dollar company, Cattle Dog Digital, and now you are creating your own personal brand 
You are the CEO and founder of Project Lotus, a not-for-profit that is supporting impact-driven businesses. You are just such a badass because not only that, you are in the 2% of female-owned businesses. You have achieved the 2% status of surpassing a million dollars in annual revenue. So as you're coming out from the shadows of this giant success of a business and establishing yourself anew, resurrecting yourself, what are you creating within yourself that you want to bring forward into your brand? One word, <laughs> abundance. Uh, and, and, and as much of it as, as I can muster and wherever I can find it. And it, it's not very far if you just look. What does abundance mean to you? Love and compassion, kindness, and shedding light on everything and who you are and stepping into that who you are-ness. <laughs> it's probably not even a word, but stepping into that <laughs> uh, is really um, is really what I'm hoping to help people do. So we've kind of established these two ways of, of working, one for businesses, but really one for, for the self and in the coaching side. And that really is uh, working with people who can find that spark within and bring it out. So what would you say is the difference between who you are and the brand that you're creating? If there is a really good question. And, and look, really, I think there isn't actually a difference. It is who I am. A hundred percent is who I am. All my light shines through. There is nothing disingenuous inauthentic about it. And I think that's the key here is once you actually know who you are, um, know what your purpose is in the world, you can stand right in it and strong. And there's absolutely nothing that can stop you from looking in that mirror and being incredibly proud and incredibly in love in the most healthy and non-narcissistic way. <laughs> it's really about driving and sharing that love as much as you can with the world, because in, in order for, uh, you to serve others, you've got to first have served yourself in the sense of fully loving and fully accepting and fully embracing everything and all that you are, what's and all. And we all know my scars have, uh, many, many, many scars. Um, I wear them like a badge of honor. So how do you de-identify then from the results that your business and your work will create in the world and not, or will they have an impact on, on your self-worth? Cause you know, business has its ups and downs sometimes and things happen, life happens. Of course. And so, so if the business and the brand that you're building is your own personal brand is you, how do you de-identify from the results? Well, I think it's important to still have boundaries and it's really important to have, um, you know, your, your kind of private center as far as, you know, there, there's the, the parts of you that you choose to share with the world. Um, but we all know that on social and, and out in the, the world, they're only getting snippets of the mirror. They're only getting snippets of you, but that, but it's still you. It, it's just not the full thing. So. Uh, there are obviously elements like my children and, 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 you know, elements within my life that are private, but 
for the most part, it is, it's ensuring that you've just set the right boundaries. And if you um, have those boundaries in place and people can't cross them and you're keeping yourself safe, but it's, but otherwise it's, it's a, for those that deserve and those that are worthy and those that really recognize it, then they're the ones that get access. So I've noticed in my preparation for our time together (laughs) that the podcast interviews that you've done in the past, uh, like you have built an incredibly successful business in RevOps. I mean, you did with Cattle Dog Digital, you mentioned that with JB Hi-Fi, who I know from Australia living there, (laughs) I think that's why I got our like Apple TV (laughs) when we lived over there. (laughs) But you took them from 300 million to 900 million in revenue? Yeah. With the team, for sure. Yeah, with the team of what you Mm -hmm. did. So, I mean, you've had some incredible success stories and have done that all while being a mother of three children. Like, not just one, three. Three and all very close together. There's only, there's less than two years with each of them apart. Um, And obviously battling a very hard fought battle with autonomic dysreflexia. So yeah, in many ways I have leaned into um, the knowledge and understanding that that is really a miracle. And I'm so incredibly grateful uh, for so many people that, all my giants that that kind of supported me throughout all the whole process. Um, but that success uh, was never driven by uh, me alone. It's always done with the team and the team in servant leadership is what I always aspire to be. And you asked me a little bit earlier, you know, um, a, a question and, and one of the really most important things I think is I, I live from a, a love language of acts of service. So as a servant leader for my team, it was really about helping encourage them along with working with the exec. So I can't take credit for the JB Hi-Fi success. Really, it was Brett McGuinness and Linda Godfrey who drove the heck out of that internally and they leveraged Cutterdog. So it was RevOps in motion. It was actually this whole abundance theory in action. And one of the things that I've really noticed about uh, abundance is that this theory has not been disproven to me yet. We haven't tested it in a lab yet but I'm really hoping to do so. And it seems to have only an abundant outcome Mm. when it works. So looking at your story though, what are the boundaries that you put around your children in order to protect them with, with the story? And um, I know you're going through some massive personal transitions right now. So the, what are those protective boundaries that you leverage? Because I, I mean, for me, I speak as a mom that, you know, two, two littles as well. And, and there's so much a part of my evolution and growth as a business owner and learning that balance and that dance that comes with being a mother and being an entrepreneur. And so how do you share that side of your story or do you? So of late, I have, there are snippets of it. Um, and, 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 and it's really looking at you as the whole. So there's you as the mother, there's you as the business owner and entrepreneur and absolute badass goddess queen. And then you, there's you as the lover. There's, there's so many sides to us as women uh, that I think that we don't necessarily even give ourselves credit for the fact that we chameleon ourselves 
so much all the time in order to be of service to everyone around us. I think that women in particular have this incredible innate skill. And I think men also have this skill, but it is just, um, the ability to hold space like no one I've ever seen. Women in particular have this, uh, just innate ability to create space and be whatever is required at that particular junction of time. And I guess what I'm really hoping to help people see is that that is an incredible, that's a superhero skill. And as a mother, that's an even more superhero skill. And I was actually talking to someone yesterday, um, funnily enough, and we were talking about how as, as women, as mothers, um, the DNA of our children stays with us for life, for life. So if you've got boys, you've got this DNA, which is, if you can wrap your head around that, that's incredible. So I, I was, I was thinking about how that we also that carry that responsibility for these guys and who they become. And all of a sudden my whole transformation as a mother just uh, expanded completely into, I need to not only model what it is to be a woman for my boys, um, and a mother for them. I also now need to show them what is, uh, love and, and what is, what, what is worthy of love for them and how they can then lean into that as men in the future. They need to be able to see that and have that modeled for them. And so there's, there's so much that we've got to do to chameleon ourselves, but what I'm doing at the moment and the boundaries I'm putting in place are my kids are everything to me. Absolutely everything. I owe them my life. I mean, literally they are the reason I jumped out of that coma in May last year. Like we're talking about this incredible gift that as a force, as mothers, that beyond any comparison, we, we can tap into. And that, ta that, that force is, is the choice that I made to not leave them behind. I can't, I couldn't leave them. They weren't going to be in this life without me. So for that reason, I'm, I look at them every day and, and I'm incredibly grateful for them, but I also need to protect them. So with things online and, and, um, I absolutely share the stories together. And my daughter, you, you love her, Gracie. She's diabolical and incredible and probably my hero because she's out there, she's singing, she's, she's recording her, her, her singing at the moment, but we're just pushing all these opportunities and laying them in front of her and saying, all right, well, pick one and whatever you like, I'll invest in and we'll go and you can go and do that and singing and dancing and acting. And, uh, she seems to be particularly set up for that. And she is loving that. So I've, I definitely want to share that with the world. Cause that's that to me, that's abundance, right? Any time I can show anybody that this is what we're creating by just pure love. And it is unconditional with your kids. Um, I think that that is a good example to set. So I'm okay to do that. Um, but I'm not going to expose them. I'm, I'm definitely have a little bit more of a savvy mindset now, um, and have, you know, gone back and curated and deleted quite a few things from online that I didn't necessarily, I don't want I'll, their safety is paramount. Right. So mm -hmm. other than that. I think it's an incredibly beautiful thing to share your kids with the world. And as long as they, uh, give you permission, which my daughter does, she's like, yeah. can we do my YouTube channel? 
<laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. What have I created? Oh, come on. <laughs> me and my my six-year-old Declan, who you met. <laughs> yeah. He's like, take a picture. And exactly. like, math. Uh, and then I show me. I was like, do I need to make him a YouTube channel now? Like, because he's like, hi guys, we're here. <laughs> yes. The hi guys. Gracie does it now and she's not even got anyone filming. <laughs> hi guys. Just sitting here playing chess with my brother. <laughs> it's it's gorgeous, and I actually think that this is a good point, right? Uh, they're growing up in a in a time where technology is everywhere, and technology is so paramount and such an integral part of our lives. And you know me, um, the nerdest nerdiest nerd there ever was, um, and I I'm very excited to be bringing to life and showing them how to augment themselves with technology. I've just been such a huge advocate of this for such a long time. Uh, the collaboration that we can have with the tech that's coming out and the tech that exists today. Um, I'm actually so excited about their future. You know, one of the things that I, that made me join Abundance 360 was I was hoping that I could create a metaverse Sharky for them as a legacy. Because at that time, I was not necessarily sure what was the future was going to hold. And to know that that technology now exists, but now also to know that, that I can leverage that technology in a different way, that it's not about creating a legacy anymore. It's about creating like a multiverse capability or, or um, almost doubling the abundance we can create for the world. That, that's pretty cool. And the kids get to grow up in that world. So I'm pretty excited about it. Your journey of being in hospital for the, during the pandemic, like alone and missing your children and not being present. What, what did solitude teach you? I got really good at it. Um, and in fact, probably too good for a bit, uh, where solitude was my preference as opposed to connection. <laughs> Cause I was so used to it and it taught me. There was nowhere else to go but inward. And trust me, uh, there are points in a journey like that, and we're talking almost three years. If you calculate all of the actual time in and the amount of surgeries in that time, and I won't get into the nuts and bolts so everyone would get depressed, but it was, uh, it was like walking through hellfire. Uh, you know, the, the things you confront within yourself when you don't have the ability to help yourself out of it, you just have to sit in it and you're forced to. Um, and all of us get like that, right? We all have some suffering in our life. There's no one that should be drawing any comparisons because I still am yet to meet anyone in the world that has gone through anywhere near, unfortunately, the hellfire that I have seen. And there's a lot of people that have suffered a lot, um, but 26 surgeries and, and dying, it, it, you can't, you, I don't know how I'm still here other than through faith and God. It's, it, it is literally a miracle. So facing all of that alone, you come to a realization that you're not, you're not actually ever alone. And that is what I found in solitude. And I really found that I wasn't ever alone that I had abundance all around me and any time I could tap into that and it wasn't a disassociation or, or a disillusion or, you know, it was 
this is the only way I'm going to pull myself out of it. And I remember in October of 22 in my final surgery and God willing, that is the last surgery I ever have, except for maybe to remove one, one or two bits of machinery that are still in my body. Seriously, I'm like, I don't need that anymore. Uh, I, I went looking for my people, right? And I sat there and said, there must be more than this. Come on. I said it out loud and I opened my computer and I found Fountain Life and then I found Abundance 360. And before I'd even left the hospital, I'd had the interview with James and have joined Abundance 360. And through Abundance 360, I found Dr. G. And Dr. G and Fabi and the team at Nutri are the absolute key to why I am not only alive, but thriving and creating abundance now, not just for myself. I've created so much abundance in myself. I'm, I've healed from every wound I've ever had, whether it's psychological or it's, it, you know, it is literally a miracle. I have no, I have no bad feelings about the past. I have, I carry none of it with me. And that woman that sat in the hospital less than a year ago, she's me, but but she's a different me. Mm -hmm. And like, and in many ways I let her rest. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's like a, a death and a resurrection. When my father passed in 2021, um, I, I felt the several parts of me that were still lingering and holding on were gone. And it was, it was, there was a freedom in that, in being able to create anew and also fucking scary sometimes <laughs> like at the oh, same it's time. terrifying babe yeah. oh my gosh so terrifying and I scare myself sometimes as well and you know uh you've got to learn to when you get wings you're like whoa where am I gonna fly to and you freak out a little bit because or you've not met this person before you've got to get to know her and the the you know of the, all the transformation journeys that I've been I've been on a few um can tell you right now, it wasn't the beating autonomic dysreflexia. And I still live with it. It still hangs over my head like a shadow. Like it's still there. It's life-threatening. I can go in any day, but so can everyone. And I've just come to that. Like, how am I different now from everybody else? I'm not, right? Mm -hmm. The only difference is it took me to walk through hell to get here. And maybe I can help people not do that. That would be an ideal scenario that you don't have to walk through so much suffering. Suffering is a choice and I can help people understand that choice and maybe make a different one if you want to, because the abundance that you can create is purely choice. It's a choice. And that's just the choices that I made. And maybe that might inspire somebody or maybe that might make them think twice about whether or not the, the future looks bleak or whether it looks abundant. And it is just simply a mindset shift, but it's more than that. It starts to become your emotions. It starts to become who you actually are. And I realized maybe not that long ago that all of my journey was not for naught. It was my purpose. And for that, I was very grateful. So I became grateful for what I'd gone through. I became incredibly humbled by it, but grateful for, I have insight into life and death like not many people have in the world. And those that do are doing exceptional transformational things. And I want 
everybody to start tapping into what is possible within them. Uh, if they can touch that abundance that lives within them, it's just, it's just, it's in their heart. It has, it has been the whole time. I think the magic is you, you pierce the veil, as they say in uh, Native American cultures. My husband's native, part Native American, and uh, you, when you pierce the veil, you it's either through death being near you, someone close to you, um, where that person who's grieving is is in is held in reverence by the community, or piercing the veil of actually dying like you did and coming back from being in a coma and and that experience and that it's it's transcendent. Would you say that you always believe that some part of you believed that suffering was a choice? I think deep down, I think what wasn't conscious for me was how much I had chosen suffering. Mm. What? So there's a different... Tell me more about that. What What type of suffering were you tolerating? Well, narcissism uh, in areas of my life, uh, allowing space for people that shouldn't have that space, uh, giving access to me and my energy that to people that didn't deserve it. And I think part of it is because I've innately always been empathetic, right? I always care for everyone. My my love language, acts of service. I'm so service. <laughs> I'm acts of servicing. I'm happy. But if I'm acts of servicing to people that the energy is not coming back or that energy is not flowing, then it's wasted. And I probably didn't totally understand that. And so consciously or subconsciously, I was allowing people who were damaging to that Sarah. And and so she suffered a lot. And I speak of her as a separate person because I still find it hard even now to, to really relate to her. You know, we talk to a, a resurrection or a death absolutely on days like uh, some of those surgeries or, or, you know, when you hit the absolute bottom, it is like a death in you but there's always been this moment in those really and I'm going to get really 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 honest here about life right uh there has never not once in any moment of so much suffering and we know the suffering that I have endured um but it has been worse. There's been other moments where other people have inflicted wounds on me and even known my story. So if you can imagine that, that kind of suffering is deep. Uh, those wounds I still came to with love, care, compassion, heart. And I allowed myself to grieve. I allowed myself space to be sad, but I never chose ever to give up. I always knew that I was held in those moments and that I could just cry it out to, you know, that visceral cry, the mothers, you know, mothers that have lost a child or, you know, we, we all have in us this animalistic visceral cry. I can remember being in those moments of the visceral cry and hopefully there's been a few of those and there's not many more, but, <laughs> um, but in those moments to, to just sit with her and, and hold space for her uh, as myself, with myself, if you can imagine that, and just allow her the time to feel what she felt, 
And those are the most intriguing and, and, and beautiful moments because they're the moments that always prove this abundance theory. And in every single moment, there has always been something, whether it's a rose on the ground or uh, I see a bird fly past or uh, someone will ping me on my phone that I haven't heard of or there will just be something. There's always something. And, and if you have allowed enough space and not just sat and only focused on the negative of that moment or the suffering, yes, you can feel it and you can lean into it. And that's part of the process We're we're here to feel everything there is to feel, right? Like that still is a gift. Inevitably, one thing will happen like a little bird, let's call it a little bird, will just metaphorically come and land on your shoulder and say, it's all going to be okay. You're okay. You are loved. You are not alone. And that is sometimes all you need. And the more people we can get doing that, the more people that, that will see that in their suffering and we, we won't lose as many people as we do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is still a choice in that moment to decide, do I look at the bird or do I look at the suffering? Do I look at the opportunity, the abundance, the, the love, the, do I, do I feel into that? And as soon as you make that choice, <laughs> guess what? It multiplies. It starts multiplying and it starts and it keeps multiplying because the energy that comes from making that choice is rewarded by the universe and it keeps wanting to look in that mirror every time. And now, now the point that I'm at is just where's the mirror? I just want to go find the mirror every day. And it's not just look at myself in the mirror. Obviously it's looking at you. It's, it's working with these incredible people. And then when you get two of us together who are on the same level, Mm-hmm. You get the exponential and that's abundance theory in action. Mm-hmm. And the work that we can do in collaboration instead of separation is what I'm all about now. Just finding the mirrors and multiplying. I love the metaphor of the mirror. I mean, obviously with any metaphor that involves you know, mirror, mirror on the wall. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know so many people, you know, they're looking for the simple they're looking for, yeah. you know, just give me the steps. Just yeah. give me the steps to do what you did, yeah. to make the millions. Just give me the steps. And oh. are yeah. there, are, like, are there the, the, the steps or is, are the steps this death and resurrection process? Because I, I have a theory. Um, I mean, and I would love to hear your theory. Uh, but I do think it is, it is that partly, Mm -hmm. and it is about actively choosing to see your shadows, embrace them and alchemize them. Mm -hmm. That's my theory. What's yours? I think, I think the theory is, my theory is that it is the constancy of a be, do, have principle of it's about becoming so that you can have. So like, yeah, you can have the steps, but unless you're being the person, but what is required then to be the person, right? When, what, well, what is required is your old identity has to die of who you have thought you have been, of, of the, the ideas, the some of the beliefs maybe that you've held, maybe relationships, in order for you to go down to the depths, become aware of the shadows, and then pull yourself up. So very similar 
yeah in, in theory but i i do believe that a part of the step has to be that resurrection into something more into completely. a new becoming of your full potential because otherwise if it was just oh let me just implement the steps everyone would do it and it's oh, like, not for everyone trust me this process and you know this life oh my gosh i wouldn't wish any of these sufferings on anyone it is not for the faint of heart and that is probably the one difference uh and everybody's got their one difference that everybody everybody is unique we're all stars we're all made of the elements we're all you know we all have these similarities and yes we're all connected but there is something unique about everyone and i think to your point it is about finding your unique uh i'm gonna sound like it's a business but it's like what is your unique value proposition right True. What, what do you bring to the world and and owning owning that and standing fully in that i think that is 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 really the path less traveled and not everybody does that in a way that's authentic and not everybody does that having faced the shadows. And therefore we get a lot of false prophets is what I'd call them as far as people saying that they do it, but they're not doing it. Um, I often joke around and say, Goggins, I eat you for breakfast because you sat there talking about, <laughs> and look, I love, I actually really love Goggins, but, but the act of inflicting suffering on oneself instead of, um, just looking at the shadows i i don't necessarily agree with that approach because i think the world has enough suffering and you often have enough suffering in your own life that you don't need to look very far and it doesn't have to be so extreme however i totally appreciate and recognize and validate the brand man awesome what i would say though is that again suffering is a choice so if you're actively choosing suffering in order to generate abundance i'm like well that's a long way to get there. The other way could be to just embrace who you are, understand your power, stand in it, start generating more of it, owning it, and not being afraid of it. And that goddess within all of us, men and women, exists. And she's just ready, waiting to come out. And I have been so incredibly inspired by that goddess journey that I want so many other women and men to go on the same because it is just, it's to have fallen in love with yourself, not, not in the way that that's narcissistic or egotistical, but to fall in love with all of you and be whole is there's nothing like it on the planet. Then you're ready for all the love that the world can offer. Then you're lovely then you're able to spread that love with everybody, but you cannot do that fully and wholly unless you've done that within yourself. And I had to love a woman that doesn't have a large bowel or is often, you know, in pain or, you know, I've had to love this woman who is not the picture of perfect. There are shadows that have existed. There's shadows that I inflicted on myself. How do you love someone that has hurt you so much? But to do that, that's powerful. Mm. I experienced that 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 transformation of learning that love when I was 19, 20 years old going through battling bulimia. And in the recovery process of just being able to hold see myself as myself and see the 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 journey of who I was becoming, who was healed and transformed. And I ended up you know, completely recovering with 
of psychological or medical interference. Um, wow. I haven't looked back since I was in over 13 years now. Um, and just, I see that woman and I look back just like you do. And I, I don't recognize, I just really want to give her a hug. But yeah. I remember the, the process of going through that came with a lot of I see it as seeing your sovereign self looking down, uh, looking back with you and being in this dance of pulling you in the present moment through those experiences when you have just berated yourself and beaten yourself up and, you know, or, or been in pain, like with your mm. autonomic nervous system disease. I mean, that's, that's just, and to, to, to meet that woman kind of in mm -hmm. a metaphorical sense or a metaphysical sense or, you know, she was always there. And that's what I mean. You're never alone. Mm -hmm. That self was actually always there. And and maybe that is the self that carried me each time. And and and, and maybe that 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 me is is you know, the the me connected to the larger universal forces and, and, and God. I but I I would pray I would spend time with 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 that future self. Mm -hmm. And really feel like what that would feel like. What would it feel like if it wasn't like this moment? And I started to get good at that, to to almost just transform. And I actually started just practicing experiments in the hospital. Like, all right, this is the this is pretty bad. This is pretty bad. We're getting fed through a tube in your neck. Okay, and your belly's full of bile, and you're being told you're probably not gonna last very long on you know, think about writing your will. And I did. I wrote a will at 37, uh, which, you know, imagine leaving three kids. My my son had only really just been born in 2019 when I was uh, diagnosed in uh, January of the following year with intracranial hypertension and then shoved into hospital to get a brain shunt, the first one. It requires you to... Oh, find something else. There, there, they can't. You cannot get through those moments without that force. And I think the force is love. At the end of the day, and I think I've just been on a journey to becoming and being. And all I want in my life is love. And that's really as simple as it gets. I just am going towards that, and that. There isn't much space for anything other than that anymore. Love kind of crowds out any of the extra. Anything. Yeah. It, it really does. Looking at the um, the the transformation of the identity shift, just to, to play devil's advocate in, in the terms of branding, right? Yes. Like to say that suffering is a choice is yeah. incredibly polarizing. Oh, yeah. Okay. To be able yeah. to to really declare out loud to so much so that that many people might want to punch you in the face <laughs> like, probably and and, and I, that's not downplaying this Sundry at all yeah. in fact bring it on it it uh, and in fact I welcome the 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 that I welcome this this is great mm -hmm. this is how we learn and and look um forgive my forthrightness about that but I am qualified to make that statement because. Um, in those moments of pain, and it might be physical, emotional, uh, psychological, you know, we all have dimensions of us. And at any point, those dimensions can be attacked 
from outside, inside, you know, it's, it's a constant, constant necessity to alchemize this. We get anxiety, we get depression. We, you know, we, we have so many facets. Um, and I often speak with people in my coaching business about, um, in the abundance coaching business about this, because my frustration sometimes internally quietly is I can see you choosing suffering and I don't want you to because I know what's possible when you don't but the the care and compassion is the is 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 actually if we look at it and break this down into an equation in order to transpose or alchemize that suffering if we simply just gave ourselves the internal love care and compassion that we needed to get through that moment of suffering um, we allow space for the suffering and, and the suffering isn't the problem itself. It's how we choose to deal with the suffering. It's how we choose to alchemize the suffering. And that's what I mean. In the hospital, I was starting to go, okay, let's experiment with this particular situation and fed through the neck or there was literally one time there was blood on the walls. And I was like, this is, I, I took a photo of that one day. I was like, yeah, this is a moment that's like, I don't want to repeat. This is in your face, this is like a murder. This is a, a murder scene. This is horrendous. So, okay, all right. <laughs> and every moment you feel like that, right? Every moment, no matter how small the suffering is, like one of my kids gets mad. I'm like, oh, is this as bad as it gets? And we know we've got data points otherwise. But um, in the moment, it was, okay, if this is as bad as it gets, what does the moment need from me? take a breath how can I just give myself love care and compassion in this moment and it was something that I just started to do how can I turn this moment not into this moment anymore so that it didn't feel so bad anymore it just was a way to not feel so bad in the moment so in those that are coming saying okay well suffering is a choice yep life is a choice love is a choice everything's a choice. Every single day you are making an active choice. It just depends on how conscious you are of that choice. So how conscious do you want to be of that moment and this moment? How conscious, how alive do you want to be right now? In the moment and go be there because right now you have an opportunity. This is a, this is a gift. Suffering can be a gift. And for me, I saw my suffering as an opportunity. I just went, okay, wow bring it on more stories more data points more information I can use to create the, a new version of myself and I started taking photos I started actually writing about it I started posting about it all right we're having another surgery I just started to use it as a story that was something I could then hopefully use to help others see that life wasn't so bad because if my life was so so bad in that moment, then maybe theirs wasn't going to be so bad. It was just a data point, right? So I guess the choice is just knowing that you do have a choice and that's freedom. Mm -hmm. You actually have that sovereignty within. I mean, I personally, I love your forthrightness and couldn't, uh, like, I completely agree. Like I said, I was playing devil's advocate and I love in the way in how you share the the story of your suffering and the experience that as you navigated you navigated to one of the most powerful like you shifted 
what Tony Robbins says is the, the quality of your life is determined by the quality of questions you ask. And he got that from Richard Bandler, who's the founder of NLP. And so the the question that you shifted was how can I bring more care, love, and compassion? Mm. And that tip alone in just how you communicate, because you've got such a polarizing topic right there in suffering is a choice because i mean you tell that to to the grieving mother who just lost a child i like or people with cancer stage four cancer yeah and i did i had this conversation a friend of mine uh at my uh, go and get regular infusions line boss um you know quite regularly and that's maintenance and um and there's a woman there uh who has been battling really battling and and i did i did tell her this and some would say that's irresponsible. Some would give me a hard time and I'm ready for all of that uh, criticism because those that, that will say that would not understand. But I can tell you right now, the messages I got from her shortly later that day, I sent them to my team. I said, guys, this is what I'm talking about. Because I stood and said to her, let me be your proof. I have already done the suffering that you have, <laughs> that you are going through. Let me, let me be your proof, lay it at my feet, let it go and just fight. Now is the time to fight for you because you are more than this. You are so much more than this suffering. And if you just remember that, that you are worthy of more than what you're suffering, then that can just see you through to just the next thing. And then all you have to do is not look at the mountain. You just, just the next thing. And then collect your data along the way, collect your little data points of life and store them in your memory bank of, hang on, we got through that moment so we can get through this moment. We got through that moment so we could get through this moment and everything starts to bank up. And this woman went from fatigue, like when I saw her, she was so flat. She just was about, you know, she's really about ready to, she's like, all right, I'm ready to surrender to the reality. But part of the mindset shift is, no, 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 no. That, that is what they want you to think. So don't do that. Just take that loss. Is there a little spark of fight left in you? Is what I asked her. Is, is there a little spark left of fight in you? Because I can see it. And, and that shifted her a little bit and then I think what's come out of that is now a momentum and now and because she texted me and said thank you so much for what you said and I can't you know I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and she was motivated again to fight for herself and really frankly we should all have that much care and love and compassion for ourselves that we fight so hard that even on even when we are at that point of surrender and we don't have a choice anymore you know we're about to go that we're absolutely happy to do it mm. you said you said that's what they want you to think who is they those people that are probably going to give me a hard time for saying suffering is a choice <laughs> <laughs> probably the people that are inflicting the suffering mm -hmm. and uh and and not holding themselves accountable for that or choosing otherwise but even they are worthy of care love and compassion and i can tell you right now you know, the most um, troubling people in my life I've been practicing this with and, you know, really honing this this capability of seeing whether or not I could uh, help bring to life this spark and this in them. And whilst they don't necessarily have all the tools that I have uh, learned along the way, I've given them little snippets enough, just enough uh, to maybe 
stop them from making choices to inflict more suffering. So it's just a little bit of, you know, love, care, and compassion. And again, that is it. That is really, it seems so simple, but it actually just is, it is that simple. What do you think causes suffering? Is it the fact that, do you think that the belief that suffering is not a choice causes greater suffering? Totally. Completely. And it amplifies it. Is there anything else beyond that? The ego. The ego. (laughs) The ego. And I've realized the ego has a place too, right? The ego is meant to be there to help us survive when we're about to, you know, when when our life is in danger. That is what the ego is for. It's supposed to be there for a reason. So it doesn't need to just be fully, you know, a lot of people like kill the ego. No, 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 no. We care, love and cherish the ego. The ego is there for us. But but to integrate the ego is, is really the, the goal. And if we live from the seat of the ego, then good luck because the mirror will show you a lot when you do that. I always say you want the ego like in the back, in like the rear seat, maybe give him an iPad or something to distract yeah, you. Like, just don't have him be the driver. Blippy. <laughs> exactly. Give him some blippy to watch. <laughs> Let the ego just chill out for a second. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and for me, I guess my ego had a battery, you know. You don't get much of an ego when you, you can't wear makeup or, you know, dress up or do your hair or, you know, your head's been shaved because of and brain shunt, like you lose your ego quickly in those moments. Um, what I probably would say was, uh, I went looking again to integrate and find her so that it was a healthy ego that, that sat there. So now I have her sitting with me. She gets the space, but I don't live from her. Mm-hmm. She has, she just has a, a, a freedom, uh, that allows me to be confident, not egotistical and sometimes I think you know we we can worry that particularly when we're in the spotlight or particularly when we're, we're building a personal brand oh you know am I going to come across like I have a giant ego no I think the authenticity and the confidence is is where your ego comes in really handy ego can protect you from from those haters because then you go well whatever huh? good for you not for me thank you see you later <laughs> and very interestingly enough you may you know, see projections of other people's egos saying that it's ego but really ultimately it's their projection we can really we only know our own egos and yes everything is also is our reflection that we're seeing exactly exactly and someone very very wise in my life said that to me that um what what is happening outside is often a reflection from within and so i often use that as a tool now to anytime i'm something weird or dysfunctional is happening i'm like all right all right, what's going on in there? What am I doing? What can I do? What am, what can I do? And taking that responsibility, you know, it's one thing to stand in that sovereignty, but taking the accountability of that sovereignty and the responsibility you now have to use the knowledge that you've gained or the wisdom that you've been gifted. And again, I'm not, I'm not uh, anything special. I'm nothing different to anybody, right? Anyone listening or anyone watching this, um, I am no different to you. It might seem like an exceptionally crazy story and how can you be, you know, even just standing, trust me, I ask mm-hmm. the same question every day. But the reality is that the different, the only difference is I've, I've chosen this. I've chosen to learn to use this to find more, 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 more. And I am hungry. I just 
want to stay hungry to learning and being as much as I can of service to this world. And you cannot have all of these things happen to you and not be of service to the world. So maybe use your suffering for something. If you can use your suffering for something, then you've turned it into alchemy. Then you're turning in things into gold, right? Yeah. yeah. And the, the beautiful thing is like, I always say that that which is conscious manifests happily. That which is unconscious manifests unhappily. And when you can look at it, it's not necessarily a one-to-one projection. Like you're like, oh, that person has a, you know, there's jealousy projection because of somebody's, you know, business, but really you're feeling jealousy because of your partner. Like it's not, it's not normally a one-to-one projection. Um, So sometimes when you are able to look in, it's, it's not the form that you think the projection is in, but it's in the it's in being able to say, well, what are the common themes of this projection of the negativity of the unconscious manifestation of that which I don't want or the results that I don't want? And then mani- looking at where else am I doing something similar? How am I creating something? So if it's like a breach of integrity in business, maybe there's something that it's either a boundary issue or an integrity issue that you're experiencing, whether it's personal integrity, maybe you're not keeping your own commitments or something like that to yourself. Yes. But just being able to see that because it's not a one-to-one relationship, it's not necessarily that thing that you are seeing projected outside of you that you feel is creating suffering is actually the thing inside that may be creating suffering. It could be some other form. Like it's not, like it's new, not new level, new devils. It's new, de- new level, yeah. damn, damn devil, different form. Totally. And sometimes it's it's just somebody who's a, a, a bit of an ass. <laughs> oh, am I being an ass? Yes, probably a little bit, or maybe they're just not, and that's fine. And and you move on. But you're right. Like, uh, I I'm quite fascinated by how much how much we don't realize is within our control, or at least within our consciousness, and what we can use and do when we uh, open our eyes and our hearts and our minds to them, because that's where we really then see power mm-hmm. and. You know, I, I've always loved your your saying about you know, crown yourself, and I never really totally understood it until recently, where I was like, "Oh, this is what you mean." Where it's allowing the permission and giving yourself the freedom, and what a gift! And that freedom comes great responsibility. And Absolutely. like Freud said, not a lot of people want the responsibility, so they're willing yes. to sacrifice their freedom. And I feel like there's a element of when you hmm, because I'm experience recently like the the surrender part of that where when you get the responsibility you then need to learn to surrender that it no longer becomes your story as much as it is everybody's story Mm -hmm. and if you can surrender to that too eventually it it allows for so much greater possibility because your story then gets alchemized in the way that it needs to be fed and provided to the world. And I'm really grateful that I've, I've, I've found a group of people and, and my community and you and, and our, our people to really help invest, uh, in me to, to be able to see that the potential of that, um, and lean into it. And I'm so grateful. I'm so, so grateful because it's, well, it would be wasted otherwise. Be just sitting there wasted, just suffering for suffering's sake. No, no, no. Let's let's share that and provide a way for people to turn theirs outward. 
into something beautiful. If you were to stand on the soapbox mm -hmm. and declare with open arms, open voice, even under threat of death or distress or arrested, being arrested, what would it be that you would be declaring to the world that you would be communicating? Abundance is created through conscious curation of connection, your energy, the frequency of that connection, and making the choice. And when you do that, you can create an abundant outcome. That's it. Super simple. Super simple. Yeah. It's my Shark theory. It's, <laughs> I haven't seen it disproven either. Let's, let's break down now. I'm like, what? It was, it was gifted to me, I swear. And yeah. to be honest, it was collaboration with, you know, it was just all these forces. This is RevOps in action too, by the way, but it was, you know, it was all these forces all at once and sitting in that quantum computing session, you were in with me. And I sat right at the front with Dr. G and I just downloaded it like, oh, we're, we're, we're in the quantum network. Oh my God. And it just went, and I said, right, I need a way to explain this to my neurodivergent husband who does not understand this at a, like a feeling level. How am I going to explain feeling to him and my neurodivergent son who probably needed my help with this. And from this theory, I have since developed so many other things that help me to communicate love with my son to the point where we would leave you with this last little example, right? Cause it's beautiful and it's cute and it's sweet. I was trying to help ribs who can't look you in the eye. He, he really struggles with that because of what he, uh, how his brain is wired. And so he can't emote well. He would look off in, you know, different directions and, and struggle. And I said to him, Reeves, I know you've got a kind heart. Do you know, it's a really kind thing to look at people in the eye when, when you're talking to them and it shows them that you care about them. And I did that and I was like, do you want to practice? And it was uncomfortable for him. And, and I know this is not, you know, I'm not teaching this to, for everyone to go and implement, but, uh, I can tell you right now, my son. I'm so proud of him, but he looks at you in the eye and, and he will do it deliberately to show you that he loves you. And I'm like that, if nothing more, that theory, it was helped me create that for him and I'm, and that will help him in his life so much. And that is everything. That's everything. Sarah, I just love your heart. I love your humility. I love the extraordinary abundance that is your presence. And it has been such an honor to have you on the podcast and to have you, you here. Where, of course. Oh, I love you. I love, love you. Right back. <laughs> Where can we find you? How can we continue to share and spread the yes, love of the amazing Absolutely. Uh, so we've got two. We've got abundancesharpie.com. Um, that's where you can find me. I'm Mama Sharky on Instagram. Uh, Sharky CEO on LinkedIn and Twitter. And uh, you can also find me if you are wanting to create abundance in your business at projectlotus.info. As always, your sovereignty starts here and your reign is now. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If what you heard resonated with you, be sure to subscribe and start creating a bigger impact now by sharing this with a friend. 
Just by doing that one simple act of kindness, you are creating a royal ripple to support more people in their sovereignty. And if you're not already following on social media, connect with me everywhere at crownyourself.now for more inspiration. I am so excited to connect with you in the next episode. And in the meantime, go out there and create a body, business, and life that rules. Because today, you crown yourself.